Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 58 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to quickly debrief my Israel trip and talk about eight things I learned or was reminded of while I was there. Let's dive in. If you've been following the podcast for some time, you know that the last couple of weeks, I was in Israel with 33 other individuals. We had an incredible time, and it was so amazing just walking the places of scripture and seeing the word of God come alive and and really pressing into Jesus all the more. It really was a great trip. Now, I have a whole list of things of things to do and things not to do for the next trip and, and how to make it better. And I really appreciated this group just being guinea pigs of, of <laughs> going with me on my first uh, trip that I've actually led. For those who are interested, as a quick overview, we went up north and we spent three days on the Sea of Galilee and just kind of went out from there and saw places like uh, Mount Carmel and Nazareth and the Jezreel Valley and Dan and Caesarea and, and Capernaum. And, and we took a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. So we spent about three days up north and then we drove south and we, we went through places like Sychar where we saw Jacob's Well and Shiloh. And then we spent seven days in Jerusalem and going out from there all over the southern part of Israel. It really was an amazing time and just got to see a lot of places. It was really rich. Well, the trip was a whirlwind. It went really fast, but it was so amazing and so delightful. And I was just kind of thinking back through the trip, and and I just wanted to kind of quickly debrief on the podcast and, and talk about eight things I've learned or was reminded of while I was there in Israel. And uh, the first three are kind of more whimsical or kind of uh, cheeky at some level, uh, but let me just go through them really quickly. Number one, one of the things I just was reminded of is how much how much fun trips are when you go with people that you know and you love. Uh, it was so fun having 33 other people with me who were either Ellerslie alumni or family of those alumni. And, and it was so rich just having the, uh, the experience of Ellerslie together. And then we come and we have Israel together. And so because most of us knew each other or quickly got to know each other, it just made the trip all the more rich and wonderful and it made it so much more fun and delightful. There's so much laughter that took place, partly because we just knew each other really well. And that was just a wonderfully rich reminder and experience for me personally. Number two, 
I was reminded that falafel tastes far better in the Middle East. And I really like falafel. Uh, Number three is the idea of just when you're living with 33 other people for two weeks, it creates an abundance of inside jokes. Now, for the sake of honor, I'm not going to share all of them on the podcast, but it was just so fun having all these little experiences and then they just became uh, comical or something that we could refer back to and just laugh a lot. And so those, those who went, all I'd have to say is, wow, isn't that Byzantine? And that becomes kind of this funny inside joke for us. Well, spiritually or more significantly, there were some great things that God just was reminding me throughout the trip. And one of those is, number four, this idea that everything happened somewhere. It's so easy when you read scripture to forget that everything has location, that we just presume it just kind of happens, you know, maybe somewhere. But we forget that that sometimes that location is sometimes really important. For example, in Psalm 63, David is, David is writing this psalm, and actually it says it's a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. But it's so fascinating when you actually get to be in the wilderness of Judah, which, by the way, is a desert. It is a dry and thirsty land, and, and the day that we were there, it just happened to be really hot. And so here we are walking in Gedi, and we're walking near the Dead Sea, and just this area of, of Judah, this wilderness uh, inside of Judah. And man, we're just like, wow, we're so thankful we brought water. But listen to the David's words from Psalm 63. I'll just read verse 1. But it begins to have context and meaning when you see it in light of the fact that he's writing this, hiding from Saul in the midst of a desert. David says this, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And that scripture becomes so much more alive when you're clinging onto your water bottle tightly and you're looking out in the middle of this desert and you're going, wow, here's David running from Saul and he has no water and he's crying out to God with this desperation. And do I have that kind of desperation? Do I have the desperation for God like someone in the middle of a desert going, oh, I need water. Do I have, do I have a desire for God like that? And so it's just a great reminder that everything in scripture happens somewhere. And a lot of times that location is really important, which then goes to my fifth reminder is just that context is so crucial in understanding scripture. And typically I talk about historical and cultural context, but it's just a fresh reminder that context is not only crucial, but yes, the historical, yes, the cultural, but yes, even the geographical context becomes really important, as I even just mentioned in the Psalm 63 passage. But over and over, the places that we would go to, you would get these little aha moments like, whoa, yeah, that makes so much more sense because that happened here in this part of the geography. So I encourage you in your own Bible study, as you're you're walking through a study or a topic or whatever it is that you're studying, that remind yourself that context, context, context is so important. And make sure you look at the geographical side of things which may mean that you need to pull out an atlas and kind of figure out where things are at and and the significance of those locations. A sixth reminder or something I learned while in Israel is just the the necessity of praying for the Jews. You know, I was so captivated by the fact that here are all these Jews back in their country, which is so exciting. And yet most of them are so lost in ritual and legalism and bondage. You know, they're going through these motions trying to appease God, and yet they're lacking life. You know, here they are, they're seeking and they're searching scriptures as, 
you know, Jesus confronted the Pharisees in John 8 with. And it's like, hey, you're searching the scriptures that you may find life, but that but these are they which testify of me. And it was interesting just watching how these Jews are living, and yet they're in desperate, desperate need for Jesus. So for me, it was a reminder, hey, I need to be praying for them. And alongside that is, it was interesting walking to some of these great holy sites and seeing the, these Catholics and Orthodox who, who are just desperate trying to touch all the icons or, you know, they, they, they believe that if they would touch these certain sites or, you know, if they get their face or they would kiss certain places, that they would receive some sort of a blessing or anointing or something would be passed on to them. And yet I was like, people do not recognize that, that there is freedom in Jesus and, and you don't have to be captured by the legalism and, and you don't have to be, you know, go through the motions. Hey, why don't you just embrace Jesus? And so it was a great reminder for me to pray, not only just for the Jews, uh, but but for the for the nations, that that the world desperately needs Jesus, and even those who who would call themselves quote unquote Christians are sometimes so locked in bondage and desperation because they have not received freedom in Jesus, and they haven't found that Jesus is all that we need for life and godliness, as Second Peter one three tells us. That, wow, I just, I was so, I was just constantly saying, wow, I'm so glad I'm a Protestant evangelical. Wow, I am so glad I have Jesus. Wow, I am so thrilled that Jesus is the love of my life. Because I would hate to get locked in and just captured by all of that. And if I can encourage you, would you pray for the Jews? And would you pray for the Catholics? And would you pray for the Orthodox? And and pray for the lost and the dying in this world? This world desperately needs Jesus Christ. A seventh thing that God just reminded me of was just how he was orchestrating. He's been orchestrating everything from the very beginning to focus on Jesus Christ and his incredible work upon the cross. Just over and over and over again, as you just begin to walk through biblical history, you just begin to see how everything was leading up to the point of Jesus and the cross. It really was exciting for my soul. And and uh, I've sh- I share this all the time, but one of my my neat little Christophanies I just love to ponder on is that of the Passover lamb, which I think is interesting in light of the fact that this is Holy Week. But you remember the Passover lamb, the, here, here the Israelites in Egypt, and uh, the, all the plagues have happened, and here, here it is getting to the last plague. And God tells Moses, hey, I want you to take a little lamb, I want you to bring inside it, bring it inside your house for four days, and then I want you to kill the lamb, and I want you to roast the lamb, and I want you to take the blood and put it upon the doorpost, and the sign of your salvation is going to be the blood of the lamb. And how did they leave Egypt? Oh, they lo- they left Egypt by the blood of the lamb, which becomes a picture of, of sin and slavery and all that kind of stuff, obviously. But it's so amazing that when you come into the time of Jesus, that here's a writer of Hebrews saying, wow, do you not recognize that Jesus is our Passover lamb? And how are we saved? We are saved by the blood, the sign of blood. The the lamb himself has given his blood and we are saved by his blood. Just like the original Israelites were saved by the blood of the, the original Passover lamb. We are saved by the blood of the Passover lamb. And there's a lot of parallels as you begin to look at the Passover lamb and, and the person of Jesus. But what's so interesting is you recognize that Jesus died on Passover, which meant here they were, they were taking the Passover lamb doing it in remembrance of what happened, you know, hundreds of years before in in Egypt. And yet at the exact same moment that Jesus is hanging upon the cross, they had the, the nation's Passover lamb down at the temple. 
And as Jesus, it says that Jesus gave up his spirit. And it's interesting that the gospel writers are very specific about the time that Jesus died. And you could say, well, why on earth does that matter? Well, it matters because at the exact same moment that Jesus was dying upon the cross, the high priest down at the temple was slitting the throat of the nation's Passover lamb. And you, you get this picture that the Passover lamb, Jesus, was dying at the exact same moment the nation was celebrating the death of the Passover lamb. See, it was not by accident. This was a, God was orchestrating this thing down to the very minute. Wow, it's so amazing. And if you remember the story, it says that the moment that Jesus died, there was an earthquake and the veil of the temple was ripped in two from top to bottom, which obviously is symbolizing that that God is coming out and now we have access into the very presence of God. And even beyond that, it's so marvelous that that when God had the Israelites make the make the curtain in the temple, that he says, hey, make it a certain colors. I want you to make it scarlet, purple, and blue. Well, why is that? Well, the writer of Hebrews says that, do you not know that the veil of the temple is the flesh of Christ? And you realize that here is Jesus on the cross. He's been beaten and he's been bruised. And what color would his flesh have been? It would have been scarlet, purple, and blue. See, there's all these just phenomenal parallels and and tie-ins. And it's just a phenomenal Christophany, Christophany to say, wow, do you not recognize that this whole thing centers upon Jesus Christ? And that was just a constant reminder throughout this entire trip that every place that we went, it's just us leading. It's just focused upon, wow, do you not realize that the event that took place here? Wow, do you not realize that the event that took place there is all pushing us toward this revelation to this climactic moment of Jesus dying upon the cross so that the Spirit of God could come and fill up our lives? Wow, what an amazing reality. And let me just share one more little epiphany or aha or reminder with you from this trip. And I think it's significant because this week being Holy Week and Sunday is going to be Resurrection Sunday. On, on our very last day, we we went to Golgotha and we went to the Garden Tomb. And it's one of my favorite places in Israel. It is so just tranquil and just moving and powerful. And we got to literally walk into the very tomb of Christ that he was buried in. And I just wanted to say as a witness, it is empty. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? And just as a reminder, as we approach uh, this Easter weekend uh, and then we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Christ, that we serve a living Savior, that we serve a God who didn't just die, but we serve a God who died and rose again and now fills us with his life. Hallelujah. That is so awesome. Uh, Christ is risen from the dead. I just want to end with sharing one of the songs that we sang a couple of times throughout our trip. And it was a song that we just kind of declared at the garden tomb. But it just says this. I'll just read the chorus. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because Jesus lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Get this. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Would you make that an anthem in your life? Would you just say, wow, especially this week being Holy Week, as we focus even more intently upon the death and resurrection of Jesus, because you live, Jesus, I can face tomorrow. Because that you live, all fear is gone. Because I know you hold the future, 
Life is worth the living just because you live. That is so true. Well, thanks for letting me debrief rather quickly and give a few of the uh, aha moments from my trip. And obviously there was countless more, but I just want to share a little bit of just what God was doing in my own heart over these last couple of weeks. And thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. For show notes of this episode, including an outline and links to other resources and articles, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 58 for episode number 58. And until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ. May you have a great and phenomenal Holy Week focused on Jesus Christ, the one who died and rose again and now has come to live inside of you by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 